Hey, it's Alan, and I just wanted to let you know that you can now listen to the ongoing history of new music early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is playback of Surveillance Audio Outside 606 Studios, the home of the Foo Fighters. September 30th, 2014, 1216 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. Okay, this uh, looks like the place. Let's uh, have a look. Kind of a rough neighborhood. Well, we'll see what we got. God, I wonder where the hell we are. It's the middle of nowhere. This place looks like a fortress. Better lock the car. Oh, okay, better lock the rental. There we go. And here we are, 606 Studios. Someplace in Northridge, California. The gate's sliding back for me. They must be expecting me. Let's go inside. Anybody? Any trouble? No. No, easy. Okay, we're in. We're inside the Foo Fighters. This is the Ongoing History of New Music, the podcast edition with Alan Cross. Hello again, I'm Alan Cross. Being in a band seems... You know, straightforward. You pick up some instruments and you start playing. But it's actually much more complicated than that. The music that you end up playing is influenced by so many outside forces. Where you grew up, what music you listened to as a kid, what music you listen to now, the city in which you're writing songs, the city in which you're recording those songs. All these factors and more affect the music you make. But how? Fans love this stuff. They love to know what other bands influence their favorite musicians. It's all part of the understanding and discovery process of music. The Foo Fighters know this, and they set out to document all this stuff that goes into one particular album, Sonic Highways. Eight songs recorded in eight different cities in eight different studios. And not only did they make a record, but they also made an HBO TV series documenting the whole process. Here's how it worked. The band would set up in a new city for each of the eight songs on the record. They'd hang out, talk with musicians from that city, absorb the vibes. And then at the end of the week, Dave would sit down with a transcription of the conversations he'd had and then sort of cut and paste words and phrases from those conversations and interviews into what would become the lyrics for that city's song. And then the band would get to work on that song. It was a very, very interesting way to make a record. And the process also laid bare the influences that went into writing these songs, as well as digging into the influences that made each member of the Foo Fighters who they are as musicians and who they are as people. 
Now, I had a chance to talk to the whole band about all the different things that make the Foo Fighters the Foo Fighters. Where's Nate Mendel? Nate! All right, this is a, a difficult interview because... Uh, Already? Well, it is, and here's why. You guys are... <laughs> uh, language, language. Because normally we would we would just sit down and we talk about a record and you know how the record was made and you guys are going to go out on tour. Uh, no, we have to talk about the making of the making of the record, which is a, a, an HBO show that's going to run over eight weeks plus the record itself plus everything that's going to come after it. So you know I was sitting around in the hotel room last night, kind of sweating, thinking. How the hell am I gonna talk to you guys? And what am I gonna talk to you about? Because there's just so much going on. Well, f work it out, dude. Just keep it <laughs> <laughs> Something From Nothing, the first single from the Foo Fighters' 2014 album, Sonic Highways. That track was recorded at Electrical Audio in Chicago, the studio owned by Steve Albini, a guy who recorded Nirvana's In Utero album. The guest musician on that song is guitarist Rick Nielsen of Cheap Trick, a power-pop band from the late 70s and early 80s that was a big favorite of the guys in the Foo Fighters when they were growing up. I'll explain why that song was made in Chicago in just a bit, but right now, let's get back to the band and begin talking about influences, starting with guitarist Pat Smear. So now we've got eight different cities that we have to deal with, with the album. But before we go that, that, that route, I would like to deconstruct the Foo Fighters. Everybody comes from a different place, right? So before, let's see if we can figure out the sum of the parts before we get to the sum of the parts. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. This is fun. Let's uh, begin. I like didn't even need that. I haven't even said it. We haven't said anything. I'm going to save you for last. Okay, good. I'm going to start with you because you're the oldest. I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say the elder statesman of the bunch. I'm good. The older statesman? The older statesman. <laughs> so, Los Angeles, member of the germs. Uh, what did LA do to you as a musician? <laughs> okay, we got that. It's okay. better, it's better, talk. It's it's better okay. when you just talk. Yeah. <laughs> You're a way better interviewer. I thought you were going to tell me. <laughs> you were going to ask me. I, I, I want, what okay. are we paying you for? <laughs> so, you, you grew up in LA, you become involved in the punk scene and the whole mass club and the whole thing, right? Okay, what were you listening? What made you want to be a punk rocker? What was I listening to? I was listening to Yes. I was listening to Queen and uh, Alice Cooper and David Bowie. Okay, that doesn't fit the narrative. And the Runaways. Okay, no, that's closer. wrong. So, so, and you end up in the germs? I happened to start, I happened to make a decision to be a musician at the same time that punk rock also was happening. So it just, because I was in a band who didn't know how to play, and we still wanted to play, there was a scene that was open to people like us. So who were you, you were listening to, these, these prog bands, these, these mainstream rock bands? Uh, because there was no punk rock to listen to. Oh, okay. But was, <laughs> did you get some, uh, you know, Sex Pistols coming your way or, or, or yeah. Rollins or anything like that? But as soon as that stuff came in, we got it. But we thought, if you ever listen to the first Germs recording, which is our, our first proper show, which mm -hmm. is on the thing who called Germicide, mm -hmm. We think we sound like Alice Cooper. I challenge you to go listen to it and <laughs> tell me what you think. Find we an sound Alice like. Cooper element. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we thought we sounded like. We just thought we sounded like Alice Cooper. As we got better, we got faster, it became punk rock. 
Germs from the summer of 1977 featuring an 18-year-old guitarist named Pat Smear, who would later play with a bunch of different groups, including Nirvana, Belinda Carlisle, yes, her, and now the Foo Fighters. All right, let's move on to guitarist Chris Shiflett. I grew up in Santa Barbara. The About an hour and Santa change. Barbara. The mean streets of Santa Barbara, baby. <laughs> okay. Which was a great place to grow up. Uh, and I didn't realize it at the time, because, you know, like anybody else, you think, oh, my hometown's totally boring and lame. But we had a great music scene. Everybody played music every weekend. There were keg parties with bands. There was a little barn we used to rent out in Isla Vista, and we'd go play there. And every just everybody knew each other. There was music all the time. Plus, it was close enough to L.A. that I could come down here for shows. So Santa Barbara, and it was a big enough town that bands, well, a lot of bands actually came through Santa Barbara. So there's just a, like, great music scene happening. So what were you listening kid. to as, as a kid? When I was really young, I just listened to what my brothers listened to, and they listened to, like, you know, the Beatles and the Stones and Bowie, and then later on, Zeppelin and Aerosmith and stuff like that. And, um, and it wasn't until high school that I really got turned on to punk rock, and it was just, like, because that was, you know, if you wanted to go to a show, there was no big rock show in Santa Barbara, so you just wound up going to punk rock shows and drinking beer and meeting girls and all that stuff. It just all kind of commingled. This track from Sonic Highways was made out in the desert, Joshua Tree, California. The studio doubles as the owner's house, and whoever is using the studio basically bunks at the owner's place. Cooks for them and everything. Clients have included Queens of the Stone Age, Arctic Monkeys, and Daniel Lanois. The song that we're about to hear features guest guitarist contributions from Joe Walsh of the Eagles. This is called Outside. The Foo Fighters and Outside from the 2014 album Sonic Highways. When we come back, more digging into the Foo Fighters, including the story of that person who did more to influence Dave Grohl's choice of music than any other in the universe. You're listening to the Ongoing History of New Music, the podcast edition with Alan Cross. I call this program Inside the Foo Fighters because not only did this interview take place inside the Foo Fighters recording studio in Northridge, California, but it also gets inside the heads of each member of the band when it comes to their influences. Remember how the first single from the Sonic Highways album was recorded in Chicago? What's the connection there? Well, Dave Grohl has the story. Punk rock is like folk music, uh, where it's the scene that everybody gravitates to because it's all about what people are talking about and they're concerned about, right? Well, also, I think there was a simplicity in punk rock that people gravitated towards. Because when you're a kid, like, you've got a poster of Jimmy Page or Peter Frampton or, you know, some guitar virtuoso god on your wall in your bedroom. And you sit there with your nylon string guitar (laughs) and your little songbook and you just think, well, I could never, I just can't do it. Like, I could, I can't be a musician because I can't do what those people do. And then you hear a Ramon song and it's three chords and you can do that and then you have friends that might not play drums like Buddy Rich or but they can play drums like the guy from the Sex Pistols or because it's so simple it becomes available to you like oh cool well I could start a band if we do it like this and then that's I think where kids get into it and and it is like folk music in that you have these kids writing about things that are important to them. You're not going to have a kid in Springfield, Virginia, writing songs about Jack Daniels and mud wrestlers and limousines. You're going to be writing about what's going on in your neighborhood or your home. And in that, like folk music, it's kind of like reporting, you know, right. like you're writing about things that really happen to well, you. 
Yeah, I mean, when I was young, I was the same. I listened to the Beatles and Stones and Zeppelin and rock, classic rock stuff. And then I went, when I was about 13 years old, I went to visit a relative in Chicago. And my cousin, Tracy, had just turned into a punk rocker. And she said, hey, I'm going out tonight. Do you want to see a band? And I had never seen a band live on stage before. And I didn't, you know, I thought, well, are we going to like a concert or an arena? And we went to this little dingy club called the Cubby Bear across from Wrigley Field. And it was, the room was half the size of this room. And this punk band played and it just completely changed my life because there was so much energy in that small space and it was loud and the music was so raw that... You know, it made a huge impression on me. Like, yeah, I don't know if I want to be the guy in the poster anymore. I want to be the guy in Naked Ray Gun. I want to be the guy in that band, you know? And um, that became the my goal in life, was to be that guy in that band. Not that guy, but that guy. If you've never heard Naked Ray Gun, and I wouldn't be surprised if you haven't, this would be the time to do it. This is from a 1985 album entitled Throb Throb. It's Rat Patrol. From Chicago, that's Naked Ray Gun and Rat Patrol, which became a favorite song of a very young Dave Grohl, thanks to Cousin Tracy. Next up on our couch is drummer Taylor Hawkins. Taylor. Hmm. You know, there wasn't really much of a scene of any sort where I lived. Everybody played reggae music. Which was where? Orange County, Laguna Beach, California. And everybody liked reggae. So... Hard rock was really frowned upon. You were a Hesher. You were from the valley. You were not cool. You weren't a surfer. You, like, surfers. That's so weird. It is what it is, you know? <laughs> so my punk rock became Rush and Queen and stuff because I had to hide those records from my brother and his friends and if stuff If he like didn't that. listen to Level 42, he'd get his no, ass kicked. It's not Level 42. It's like, a, like you know, like... <laughs> You know, like the '80s new wave and stuff, which actually I love all that stuff, and I and I liked all that, but I also liked, you know, Rush and Queen and stuff because I did want to be the guy on the poster. <laughs> I did, you know. I mean, so I mean, there wasn't really much. So my bands were not. I didn't really have. I had bands kind of, but like you know, there were more bands that just played in garages that rarely ever played. I played in a cover band for a while, sort of. That's when I realized you could actually make money playing music. I got played a wedding and we didn't get paid and my mom went down to the people, the guy that worked, where, where the guy worked and we got our money. Amazing. So yeah. Mom got, got your money? Yeah, my mom got our money for us. But that was the first time I got paid to play music, I remember. <laughs> as a, as a, um, so I figured at best, you know. And L.A. was kind of close, you know, but it seemed so far away, you know. And it wasn't until when I got in high school I heard Jane's Addiction. And, and it was funny because up until then, all I was listening to was music from five or ten years before. Queen and Police and Zep, whatever, all that sort of classic rock and early new wave stuff or whatever but and then when I heard Jane's Addiction because I was really it was all warrant and all that kind of crap you know like whatever they call hair metal now which was just like blah music you know and then I heard Jane's Addiction and it was like dudes I could play like the dudes in the poster 
but they were a mess and they were disgusting and they were awesome and they were scary. And I just became a complete like disciple of them. Same story. I mean, it's just that Jane's is your punk rock. Yeah, I guess so. I guess they, yeah, I mean, I went to John Anson Ford Theater. They did seven nights up here in in LA and I was just like, hey, uh, Perry Farrell came out on stage with green dreadlocks and a woman's hat on and he told the first guy in the front row to the second he came out on stage, I was like, these guys are crazy. <laughs> They're the best at that time for me. So, If you're going to travel across the U.S. making records, you have to use a studio in Nashville. I mean, that just goes without saying. This next track was made at a place called Southern Ground Studios. It's called Congregation. hear the Nashville on that track? Congregation from the 2014 Foo Fighters travelogue record, Sonic Highways. The last guy to spill his guts on his influences is bass player Nate Mendel. All right, last guy on the list. Where did you grow up? Uh, Eastern Washington State. Okay. It's a tiny little town out in the desert. What was it called? Kennewick. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and there was really no music happening there. And uh, me and my friends got into punk rock. And why? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know because everything else was around and much more popular. And uh, you know, we just you're a band of like misfits, and it's just you see the world in a slightly different way. And so it's, what, it's, we were drawn to it. What records were you, you and your friends buying? Well, the one that that where I understood what hardcore we call it hardcore at the time was about was uh, um, Black Flag's Damaged. You know, I didn't, I didn't understand it, and like halfway through it, I, I'd put it on for some reason, and then it clicked. Like, just the the energy of it and the aggression and the weirdness, uh, I loved it. And then I, I've got like the least depth of musical knowledge of anybody here because I I didn't have the older brothers or get into like the bands that could play. Like, I only cared about hardcore for about ten years, like those formative ten years. Wow. Um, yeah. So. Um, Taylor still turns me on to bands, you know, like I listen to Boston now because he's like, you should listen to Boston there. <laughs> I, I have to ask about being Canadian. I have to ask about Rush. Uh, you guys got to induct them into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Finally. Um, I grew up on Rush. They were on my wall. Neil Pert was my guy on the wall. Tell me about them and what you felt about them. I remember my, I had... A cousin, another cousin, gave me 2112, um, maybe when I was about, I remember I was in third grade, and um, up until that point, it had pretty much only been the Beatles and AM radio for me, and I heard 2112, and it was the first time I'd ever heard um, music like that, but also the first time I'd ever heard a band where the drums were so featured, you know, Um, and I wasn't playing the drums yet, but I was playing guitar. And I, my cousin at the end of that, and it just smelled like incense and it had like weed in the cracks and seeds in the thing. And he's like, yeah, man, take it home. And I remember taking it home, but I didn't, I was afraid to show my friends this new record because of those kimonos they were wearing and the like crazy camel toe that Alex Lifeson had. Like, and then Getty Lee's voice, I was, I was kind of afraid to tell my friends that I was into this, you know? Um, but I listened to it all the time. And to this day, I still 
rip off Alex Lifeson's guitar playing yeah. in a lot of Foo Fighters songs. Yeah, that's what's funny about this band. A lot of like anything weird that I do on the drums is usually ripped off from a Rush record, like any crazy fill. And a lot of your open they're kind of a big part guitar, of our, yeah, our sound. sound which like is, we have songs like Winnebago was one. Winnebago is the and times like these rip. sounds kind of times like these like all of those sustained um, notes that sort of ring through. Uh, riff pattern. I got that from listening to Rush. Sorry, guys. Thanks for everything. Yeah. Thanks for the drum fills and the open guitar chords. <laughs> sure. And then Pat's vocal style is actually like Eddie Lee, but we never, Pat doesn't sing anything. <laughs> so. And Nate's love of kimonos comes from, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know. And Chris, Chris still up. plays Dungeons and Dragons, actually. That's right. So. And sometimes I stand naked in front of a dungeon, <laughs> just for fun. Another influence that we can't ignore is DC hardcore. Dave Grohl grew up next door in Virginia, and DC hardcore basically gave him a reason to live. The second episode in the Sonic Highways HBO series talks all about this. Naturally, something from the album had to come out of Washington, so the Foo set up at Inner Ear Studios, a place that's in its third decade. So many of his heroes, so many of the bands he loved as a kid, made records at Inner Ear Studios. One of those bands is The Bad Brains, and Dave Grohl had to have this legendary DC band and one of his all-time favorites on at least one song. And this is it. It's called Feast or Famine. Foo Fighters from Sonic Highways and The Feast and the Famine, recorded in Arlington, Virginia, very close to where Dave Grohl grew up, and featuring the Bad Brains as guest musicians. Back in a sec with more discussion of all the influences that make up the Foo Fighters. Hold on. Now, back to the ongoing history of new music, the podcast edition with Alan Cross. Let's get back to my talk with all five members of the Foo Fighters inside the big room at 606 Studios, north of Los Angeles. I've seen you guys I don't know how many times, and there has never been a time where I've looked at you and thought to myself, there are five guys on stage having more fun <laughs> than anybody should ever be allowed to have. I mean, the joy that comes off the stage from you guys at every single gig about, isn't this great? Isn't this awesome what we get to do for a living? It's unbelievable. Well, why it really shouldn't is. it be? Well... <laughs> it's a pretty good way I mean, to make you know, if we get paid tons of money to go play rock and roll. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, is that a bummer? No, it's Just not. break it down, Hawkins. Hawkins <laughs> broke it down. <laughs> That's the simplest, simplest terms. I mean, there's all sorts of little <laughs> things happening all the time, but basically when you come down to it, yeah, we're, we're really lucky. Let's try and dissect one more song. There was no way the Sonic Highways album could not feature a song written and recorded in Seattle. The Foos used Robert Lang Studios, a place north of the city that was a favorite spot for Alice in Chains. It's where the very first Foo Fighters record was made, and it's also the studio where Nirvana recorded You Know You're Right, their last ever completed song. The local guest for this track was Ben Gibbard of Death Cab for Cutie. Interesting. It's called Subterranean. Subterranean, featuring Ben Gibbard from Death Cab for Cutie, recorded at Robert Lang Studios, north of Seattle. With the HBO series Sonic Highways and with his Sound City documentary, is Dave Grohl turning into some kind of filmmaker? Well, no. 
I mean, it, it, that whole thing just sort of fell into my lap with the Sound City project. And it was so easy. It was easy. And I assembled this team of really of like-minded people that love music. And we made Sound City. It was like, wow, okay. Well, let's make eight more of them. People are going to start bugging them. I already hear it. I get, I get like just from people like, oh, you know, Dave should maybe make a documentary about this. He's good at it. I don't so. want to quit my day job because I like it a lot because we get paid tons of money to play rock and roll. <laughs> you like to work and you don't like to sleep, so. I don't sleep. I only work. It's true. You know who I'm going to hook you up with? Who? Another guy who has turned to documentaries. Who's that? William Shatner. Wow. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. He uh, is just over here. And he <laughs> super is <laughs> super duper. Swear, I swear to God, I did some work with him and uh, he is all about making documentaries. Cool. Now. And he, he works with Zach Wilde and a couple of other people too. So. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. That we'll that up. Look it up. It's a dynamic that I think kind of goes, it's unspoken in a way. We just kind of know how to do it together because we've done it for so long. So there's not a whole lot of conducting it's just kind of more like we are we know what did it do and that's inside the foo fighters back in a moment more of the ongoing history of new music the podcast edition with alan cross and that does it for another week. A quick thanks to everyone associated with the Foo Fighters organization for letting me into their world. It was pretty cool. Meanwhile, you can join me on my website, ajournalofmusicalthings.com. It's updated every single day with all sorts of cool stuff. You need to check it out, and often. And you should subscribe to the newsletter. It's free, and it'll never come with any spam. You'll get a bunch of cool music news stories delivered to your inbox every weekday. You can find me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Google+. Technical Productions by Rob Johnston. I'm Alan Cross. You've been listening to the ongoing history of new music, the podcast edition with Alan Cross. Subscribe to the podcast at iTunes and through Google Play. 